Hi, welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. We had a Don't Freak Out, the Cavs Are Gonna Be Fine podcast today. We, uh, we had Chris Manning on from Fear the Sword. He's also of Locked on Cavs. Mike and I got into a great discussion about why we should be concerned or if we should be concerned about the Cavs. And ultimately, I think we got to a good place in the end here where uh, I think the entire NBA world can agree that uh, the Cavs are going to be okay. Or maybe they won't be. Listen to the podcast. But before you do that, please subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. We love the feedback. Those comments are greatly appreciated. We got to a comment today, or I should say a question from, uh, from one of our dear friends of the podcast. Um, you can send your questions to Mike Prada at SBNation.com. You can also tweet at us. That's at Mike Prada SBN, at limited underscore upside, and at EpiBen. I think you all will enjoy this podcast. We've been trying to uh, dial ourselves down here, get ready for the playoffs, and I think what better way to do that than to talk about the team who traditionally represents the Eastern Conference in the finals and if they will do it this year. So sit back and enjoy the Limited Upside podcast. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. Uh, today's guest is Chris Manning. He's the editor of Fear of the Sword. He also has a, a Locked On Cavs podcast. Everyone go check that out. Mike is join, uh, joining me as always. This is Ben. And I think the reason we are doing a little Cavs podcast today is there might be some doom and gloom hanging over the defending might NBA be? champions. I'm going to say might be because I want to qualify if there is, and I want Chris to help us do that. Mike, I know you have an opinion too. Save it okay. for a second. Right. Save it for one okay. moment. All right. <laughs> So with that being said, Chris, are we nervous? Is there a uh, – there's Fear the Sword is the name of the website. Is there fear in the sword right now <laughs> for the Cavs? Uh, tell me what wow. your thoughts are uh, <laughs> on your team, which is uh, currently in a little bit of a lull and, uh, and in their last 10 is under 500 going into the playoffs. So tell me what you think, Chris. I 100% think there should be some worry. Uh, I mean, you even just, I'm sure you guys saw the, the gif of this last night of like the bench pan at the end of the game where LeBron looks like kind of annoyed. Richard Jefferson's like scowling. Kyrie just looks shook on the bench. Is that uh, the one where Kyrie kind of looked like he was at a weekend in Bernie's where he's just yeah, like sitting yeah. still? Yeah. 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 One. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it, you just look at how LeBron left the game against the Bulls. You look at how they've lost recently, just sort of apathetic and sort of just kind of in just bad ways. And they're just kind of like, well, we have to get better. Uh, they've, had, I think, at two team meetings now, it seems like, because James Jones called one, Kyrie alluded to one. And then if you just look at the, the numbers, the defensive rating for the team right now is worse than it has been at any point in the second LeBron era. Hmm. Uh, Post-All-Star and for the whole year, it's worse than it was under Blatt, worse than it was pre the pre-Mozgov trade in 2014. 15 there's not a lot about the team right now that is good like even when they play the wizards last week and they have a competent offensive performance for the most part yeah and they, they still just like <laughs> and they, but they still lose because john wall's getting what he wants in transition uh they're not stopping anybody and i don't think it's as easy just to say they're gonna flip the switch because i don't really believe that's like a thing it, you could do it if you're going from like 10th in defensive rating to let's say eighth or you just like you know putting more effort and that's gonna fix some of the little stuff but if you're near the bottom of the league and it's since the All-Star Breaker, the only team that's worse than you on defense is the Lakers, who are actively trying to lose every game to <laughs> yes, keep their are. pick, yeah. that's a problem. Like I, I just don't really see how you could spin it as things are fine and things are just going to get better. So, Mike, you've gotten to see firsthand the Wizards play the Cavs a couple times in the last month or so, right? One time. Well, well uh, I guess the loss in overtime was more than a month ago. That's yeah, true. But yeah. very recently, within the past week, 
uh, they played the Cavs. It was an exceptional game. Your Wizards came out on top. Before this podcast, you said there's a little hope that the Wizards could potentially be the team that comes out of the Eastern Conference. That would go go directly in the face of our Cavs being the representative of the (laughs) Eastern Conference, which usually is the case. I I need to stop talking before podcasts so you don't use this stuff against me. But let me me, me (laughs) tell the question to you then, Mike, which is that would uh, lead me to believe that you also have some trepidation here when it comes to the way the Cavs are playing. I know that Chris just touched on a great stat there about defensive efficiency. Is that where your fear is as well, or is yours more just in the total team? No, I mean, they're like you said, they're 29th since the All-Star break. They're 29th. 22nd overall in the league. I think the only only three teams that have ever won the title uh, with a rating below 10th. Wow. And now they were all defending champions. But, yeah, no, it's a big problem. And you look at the state of the team, it's not really an accident that they're 29th in defense since the All-Star break. When you think about who do they have in their team that's actually a good, uh, a good defensive player? We know Kyrie's not. <laughs> you know, Kevin Love is not. We know that um, the guys have acquired kind of – and buyouts, Darren Williams, Kyle Korver, though he's injured now. Uh, these guys are not good defenders. Channing Fry, not not a good defender. Uh, J.R. Smith, just coming back from injury, he was good last year. He's not looking anything like himself this year. Uh, and LeBron is in you know chill mode. He's in making business decisions around the court all the time. So when you given that, I mean, is it really that surprising that this team can't guard anybody? I mean, I know they're not trying hard, but that is that is a it's a simpler problem that I think people realize. It's like they just don't have anyone who's good on defense. Is it, Chris, is it that basic? I think a lot of it is, yeah. I mean, you look at Corver. I think his shooting is really useful, but he's a 35-year-old guy <laughs> who is best as a team defender, and he's got a bum foot. Yep. Like, he's, you're trying to ask him to defend with a bad foot. Uh, JR not only is having – he was in bad shape before he broke his hand. Like, he was bad before that. Mm-hmm. But he's also dealing with a lot off the court where I think he's yes. kind of he's, – he's gone through a lot. Um, Richard and but then you also have guys like Richard Jefferson who is a useful d- defender openly saying on the podcast host with Channing Fry that he just doesn't care about the regular season <laughs> like, like you know what I mean like there's this like weird thing where it's like guys are bad but there also is like an effort thing where like Kyrie can be like passable if he just works on getting around screens right. if the Cavs if the Cavs like don't have Kevin Love flying out to defend pick and rolls by coming out past the three-point line like you can get use out of him in just by maximizing the game and I think the big thing here. Tristan Thompson has not been himself for about like a month now, it seems like. He's not really moving as well. Um, he's not, I mean, a traditional full-on rim protector, but he, he does a good job of kind of saving a lot of guys and then cleaning things up. He hasn't done that, and he, he's not switching as well. Um, and I think he has like a little knee tendonitis, which is something that they can't rest him because Larry Sanders isn't going to play. Bogut broke his leg <laughs> within instant minutes of like seconds of checking in, yeah. um, and they have no other big. So like Tristan just kind of has to play unless they just want to outright you know, play like Derek Williams at the five or something like that. Yeah. So I, I think they're in like they're just in a weird spot. Yeah, so it's like I think to myself a lot, okay, let's say that they were like the super locked in. Like they're playing this stretch of the season, like it's the most important thing in their entire lives. Like if they played like that every game this year, what and in like the playoffs, like what would they rank in defense? Like would they how much better would they actually be? And I'm not sure when you think about even compared to last year, JR was in a much better place. You know, Thompson was in a much better place. Uh, they had Jefferson. You know, they had Del Vadova in the first three rounds. They had better. Like, where? How good could they really possibly be on defense? And like, my answer to that question is like, I don't see how they would be above average anyway. It, it's tough because I think last year the Delhi Delhi certainly helped. Um, I mean, he did make an impact in the finals, but he he helped before that. Um, 
Mozgov, at least, Mozgov was bad last year, just objectively bad, but he at least was a big body who was keeping helping keep Tristan fresh. <laughs> like that that had I think that had a lot of value for Tristan. You saw that in the finals how well he could move and and how you know, healthy he was. Um I, I think I agree with Mike though. I don't know how they would get above fifteenth or so. Like I mean the best they've ever been in the second LeBron era is at is fifth when they had Blatt at the beginning of last year, and then after that they've never been better than they were for the whole regular season last year, and they've just kind of tanked the completely other direction since then, and they didn't add anybody to really rip. Like, Darren Williams is a lot more useful than Delhi on the offensive end. He's a competent shooter. He's already got really good chemistry with LeBron on the pick and roll, but he's going to get destroyed defensively, and they didn't add anybody that's actually going to supplement things. And, and I think Amon Shumpert also, too, is overrated as a defender, and he's not going to play as much because they're going to value JR. They're going to value Korver, which when you have LeBron and you want to put him with shooters, I mean, that's like a reasonable argument to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much of this, too, is there are so many different parts to this team that didn't exist last year. When you're the type of team who wants to go into a season, make these late-season acquisitions, like you said, adding veterans who for sure can only help you with pieces of the game. They are not total basketball players anymore, and they have injuries, so they're coming in and out. So getting that cohesive understanding of something like team defense, which seems to be a big struggle here, is I have them at... uh, uh, what's that? Uh, 23rd in defensive efficiency. Like 23rd 20, now? Yeah, oh, like 29th. Yes. It's so, you know, which is bad. But the other thing, and I'm glad you mentioned Tristan Thompson, is that when you don't play good defense and you're also a subpar rebounding team, and rebounding goes hand in hand with the other stat I want to read you, which is they're 19 and 19 on the road. Rebounding, how you play on the road, those are effort things. That Part of that effort might be, and this is where I, I want to get to the second part of this question, is. How much of this is just a malaise because they know what the end goal is, and this is sort of that end-of-the-season boredom? Well, to that point, I think also some of this is the schedule, right? Sure. They played 11 road games out of 15 this month, right? They're playing their 16th game tonight. Yeah. It's Friday against Philly. It's only their fifth home game. Otherwise, they've been they've had a number of weird trips, right? So they had that trip where they were like in Orlando, and then the next day they're in Houston. Mm-hmm. You know, they had that whole stretch. They had this West Coast trip. Uh, they had, you know, going home for one game and then going back on the road. You know, if you remember, like, we had – the last time we recorded this podcast, we were talking about, well, we're a little worried about the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And they're playing so much better now. And, you know, what's the big difference? Like, they're not playing eight cities in eight days anymore. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, some of, that, some of that has got to play a role in this as well. Yeah, but, but I do think that – I mean, and, and Chris, again, you follow the team closer than, than Mike or I, but, like – is there something they that could be related to have the been there done that component of uh, uh, energy that you need to put out at the end of a regular season that you need to save for you know when they're going to be playing in June most likely? I do think there's that, but I think the road thing is especially kind of looking at how bad they play because you're when you're on the road that much, you're mm-hmm. playing back, you're playing a bunch of back to backs, you're in hotels, you're flying across the country. Like they went from L.A. And then flew like directly to Charlotte, <laughs> like yeah, went literally across the cross country. Yeah. Um, you stack a lot of games up for an older team. I think they're the second oldest team in the league. Yep. Uh, so I think it is like a mix of just fatigue, of road weary, of of just all these different things, and just a a problem of like okay, like how much does this really matter? We know, like they did the most impossible thing you possibly could do. So it's almost like sort of reaction, kind of like it makes sense that you get to this point. It's like, well, okay, we came back from three one, we beat the Warriors, right. like we did that. Like, why does it? Why does this matter? Yeah. Like, they, there, there is got to be some of that. There. Yeah, like what can't we do? We did that. Yeah, we beat the Warriors in Game Seven yeah. on the road. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. there's probably an element of even if you know that intellectually, mm-hmm. it's sort of 
subconsciously you're always thinking that it doesn't really matter at this point. Sure. Um, I'm well, sure. So, I mean, the no, other I thing, I mean, the biggest difference, I mm-hmm. think, there are three big things I worry about with the cat. Mm-hmm. I would be worried about with the Cavs. And one is what we talked about is that defensively they're just a real wreck. The other is when you look at last year's team, two huge parts of that team were Kevin Love and J.R. Smith. Both of those guys are coming off injuries and mm-hmm. have not looked like themselves. How long will they take to get into form? Will they get into form? And then the third thing, and I'm, I, we haven't, this is sort of the elephant in the room, is like how much is LeBron playing right now? Right. Right. You know, is that a serious concern? And does LeBron playing all these minutes, like how does that reflect on the spirit of the team? Because I think it's interesting that he's alternated and so is Ty Lue between like, oh, this isn't a big deal and actually this is a real problem that we need to fix. <laughs> right. I think it's sort of weird how that's been the case. They feel like they're searching for an answer. They did that with the, the defensive struggles too. Actually, Lou went from saying it was, I believe, injuries, and then to new personnel to saying like, where we have their secret plan that they're going to bring out in the playoffs, which he which he said I forgot when he got pressed about what it was. He just finally said I forgot, frowned, and then he ended his press conference. Well, maybe uh, they're going to they're going to add a sixth person to the court. Yeah, yeah, or maybe it's a secret he hasn't been told yet. You know, who knows? But, uh, oh, what, what what could that be? <laughs> the sixth person on the court. Yeah, or maybe actually, I have a theory. I think the big problem is that they're eight and eleven since Kyrie Irving unveiled his flag. Flat Earth theory. <laughs> so perhaps maybe they're going to tilt the ba- dimensions of the court so uh, that you're kind of always playing uphill. Well, I was going to say, unfortunately, then what goes around can't come around. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, um, there are some numbers, though, that aren't so bad. I, I think we're right now we are doing the doom and gloom, right? We're doing our due diligence of saying what's actually wrong. And there's a third part of this, which is going to be uh, the coaching component. And we'll get to that. I want to get your thoughts, Chris, um, on Ty Lue, as you have a much larger sample size of Ty Lue now. He took over another coach's team last year. Um, so we'll get to Ty Lue in a, in a minute, though. But some of the numbers that actually skew to like the, hey, the Cavs actually have an extremely efficient offense. The third in offensive efficiency. Now, the two teams ahead of them are offensive juggernauts. Historically good, right? Well, yeah. At, right. They're, but they're, it's not just efficiency. It's true shooting their third, effective field goal percentage of their third. So, well, they're a great offensive team. Great offensive team. So that leads me to this, which is that against the other teams in the Eastern Conference who they will have to play against, and I'm going to tell you right now, guys, I am not nervous about the Cavs. I remember for five, going on six, seven years now, whatever, having to talk about the team LeBron plays on and why we should be nervous by the end of the season. And then he hits his second gear. He elevates the guys around him. And ultimately, they have this, they have a, not a break, but they're going to have the opportunity to play a team who they should lose no more than one game to in the first round, right? They're 2-1 versus Boston, 3-0 and versus Toronto, 2-1 and versus Washington, although all three games have been phenomenal. 1-1 uh, and versus Atlanta with two more left against them, 3-1 and against the Bucks. Miami's the only team in the Eastern Conference who could make the playoffs potentially, who they have a losing well, record Chicago, against. Well, Chicago, they're 0-4. Yeah, they're 0-4 against and the Bulls. Yeah. I said can make the, Chicago is a game out of the playoffs, guys. And we, <laughs> as we know, Chicago is the consummate one game out of the playoffs. Sorry, Ricky, uh, ninth seed in the East. If only if only nine teams made it. Um, but you're right, 0-4 versus Chicago. And I, that's kind of wild considering Chicago is terrible. Um, but the thing is this. Once you get to the Western Conference teams, the actual elite teams in the NBA who they would only play one of, 1-1 one one versus Houston, 0-2 oh versus San Antonio, 1-1 one one versus Golden State, 0-2 oh versus the Clippers, 1-1 one one versus Utah. And there's some common themes about those Western Conference teams, which is they have things that can give LeBron trouble, whether that's a big man protecting the lane or very scrappy, good defensive perimeter players. Is there a team in the East that actually worries you? Not are you worried about the Cavs, Chris, but is there a team in the East that you, that, that you should be concerned about beating the Cavs? Because ultimately, they usually represent the Eastern Conference in the finals. 
I'm not just saying this because Mike is. is <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. It's Say on, it. it. It's the Wizards. Like I told this All to right. Michael Sykes from Bolts Forever. Like John Wall is a game changer in that series. Ooh. Like his ability to push the ball, his ability to make the Cavs on their put the Cavs on their heels. There's a play that kept sticking out to me from that game on Saturday, where Wall just pushed the ball up the court and he basically just forced Kevin Love to just kind of like stand there and follow <laughs> him or just let him score. Like and he can do yeah. that over and over again. Yeah, he did. Um, and like Kyrie, like I like Kyrie a lot. Like he's good. Kyrie's not the type of guy that's like gonna make John Wall slow that stuff down. Uh, nope. The Cavs as a team and how they defend the pick and roll, unless they actually have a six guy on the floor, are like not actually they're not equipped to like stop John Wall from going downhill. Hmm. Um, I think the thing with the Wizards is like the Cavs is they're older, but I think the Cavs might be a bit deeper. Uh, I, I think they can, I, but I think the other thing too is like Tristan Thompson's gonna have to really work in that series, whether it's going against Gortat, against Mahinmi. Uh, he's gonna have to the like, battle big guys for a whole series there. To me, it's Washington. Toronto would be next just because I think it's harder to hide Kyrie in that series than it would be in the other series because yep. you can't really put him under Rosen. Uh, and so he has to defend Lowry if Lowry's healthy. Boston, I mean, I. I like I've seen Al Horford play the Cavs two playoffs in a row, and it just hasn't like gone very well. And that's a better like team in a lot of ways in those Atlanta teams in certain aspects. But Boston doesn't threaten me if I was like if I was the Cavs quite as much as Washington and then Toronto. Yeah, well, the Cavs fail the ultimate test. I think that any team that has to play the Wizards is must face is that do you have two guys to guard their guards? Right. The Cavs have yeah. like zero guys, so that's kind of the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, you don't want to extend LeBron out to the perimeter to have to guard one of those yeah. two, which uh, is the option. Of course, the Wizards have nobody to guard LeBron, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's a minor problem. Yeah. But <laughs> that's, yeah. that's for Kelly Oubre and uh, Otto Porter to figure out. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I think their combined body mass is somewhere still below LeBron. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. yeah. Do, do uh, you think uh, the Wizards could get away with Markeith on LeBron that's and probably what have they're Otto try Porter to on Love? That's what I would try. Well, probably, but I think I'm not sure that's a really ideal situation either. Do you, um, so, Mike, do you think the Wizards are um, potentially the biggest obstacle for the Cavs in the Eastern Conference? <sighs> Again, we're not going upon yeah, like, matchups I mean, that are already set in stone. But yeah. I do think that of those teams that Washington sort of has a better playoff format. But I do also think that if Toronto gets right, if Lowry gets healthy, you know they have a legitimate defensive group that Cleveland mm. will have trouble scoring on. And you know that Cleveland has defensive problems. So I don't know if I'm quite ready to go as far as Chris is. Yeah. Um, but I, this is – as much as we want to make this about like who is going to beat them, like this is still ultimately about like – the Cavs, and I know that yeah. LeBron always comes out of the East, but like I still think the minutes load has sort of been significant this year. Yeah, uh, and you also add in it's not like you can just toss away the previous thirteen years of of no doubt. minutes. Yeah, you know it's not like they just kind of fade into the background. Well, uh, well let me ask you that then, Mike, and and then Chris, please, uh, you know, echo uh, after after Mike here. With that being said, does the number one seed matter more to have that that last? No, game I don't home? think so. No. Okay. Uh, so that's not part of it. You know that concern. LeBron's teams have only had the number one seed four times in his career? <laughs> that's a good stat. Yeah. So so it's not as important. And Chris, would you agree not as important? Yeah. yeah, I would agree. And I think just because when – I think we just – until I see the Cavs suck in the playoffs, <laughs> until they just like have a bad series, like I think their ceiling's higher than every other team in the East. And I think when you have LeBron, who I still – like he's having like a really good year. Like he's having yeah. some defensive issues a lot of the time, but he's yeah. having – like and that's an understatement because his defense is just kind of non-existent a lot. Like he's they had in, a he's in business LeBron mode. They, they had, I mean, like 
all you need to know is that against the Bulls, instead of having him defend Jimmy Butler, which he would in the playoffs, they had him on Zipser. Like they just like, okay, LeBron, you can just like go hang out over here and like and like you don't have to do anything for this game. Um, but I, I don't think that a one seed matters, and I because I don't think they're going to go into situations that are going to intimidate them. Like I really yeah. don't think there's like situations they'll go into that they don't think they could win Game Seven on the road. Like I just don't think that bothers them. I, I don't think that matters like in general as much anymore. Like I, because just, of last season. No, just like I mean, if you look at home court advantage is not as significant as it used to be. I mean, maybe that's different in the playoffs, but the stats say that home court advantage has sort of not had the same impact it, had, it used to have. Sure. You know. Uh, I mean, like, I. I I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think it matters more when you're a younger team making your first or second appearance yeah, in the playoffs than it does true. to be the, the Cavs. But I think what Chris just said, though, you know, that there's no situation that they're not, um, you know, already aware of or capable of overcoming is probably a part of the mentality of this malaise that they're in right now, which is like, God, I remember the last three, you know, late March runs when we kind of decided that our, our sights were set on the playoffs. And so maybe that's part of it. But this is where I want to get to the other conversation here, which is which is Ty Lue, because uh, we haven't, you know, most of the time coaches are more of a lightning rod for scrutiny when their team is, is sputtering. Um, and we got a couple of good questions here. It's actually all from TM Warning, one of our, our favorite friends of the pod here. I'll try to synthesize uh, his like five questions here, but more or less... Um, Ty Lue has been kept kind of aside, uh, at least in the national perspective. Chris, I don't know if this is as much a, a Cleveland uh, a regional thing or you know within your market if he's getting more heat here. But tell me where you think he's been a little deficient as this team has lost its grip with defense. And then, Mike, after that, you tell me what you think the fixes will be. I think if you're looking at the defensive stuff, I think he struggled the whole year, and I think this dates back to last year a little bit too, to find consistent rotations. Okay. I think he struggled to find pairings of players that work together well. He had some stuff in the playoffs last year that worked offensively, but he's never really found defensive stuff that's worked. And it's interesting because when he was Blatt's associate head coach, he was the one running the defense. Like he, that was his area of expertise. And then when he when he took over, uh, Mike Lombardi, who was with the Suns and they got fired by the Suns, ended up taking over the defense. And then Lou, I think, took it over again in the playoffs. So it's like his brainchild, and I think. Hmm. A lot of that has to do with injuries, but I don't think he's even found like things that have worked that have just at least made them competent when they're not trying. Like I think you just look at how he's having Kevin Love defend pick and rolls. Kevin Love, I know he had the, like the stop, but like having him come up behind the three point line and go up that high and trying to just body guys, it's a bad. Like that's just bad. Like you're asking opposing point guards that are moderately quick. You're offering them a free chance at the rim, a free chance to create something. Like if Rajon Rondo is ripping your team up in the pick and roll, like, like that, that's a problem. And I think you can avoid some of that with scheme. Um, and I think that to me is like the big thing. I think there, there's a lot of stuff we just don't know and what he's doing if he's implementing stuff in practice. Right. Like he swears he has this big plan, and but I mean, we can't really know until he sees it. And it's just really fun to make fun of until then. <laughs> yeah, the challenge is uh, to me less schematic and more like how do you manage a season in the playoffs? when this is sort of the, the hand you're dealt. You know, this is where I think maybe having more of an experienced hand might be more valuable. It does – I just think it's a little odd that the team is alternating between this is no big deal and this is a big deal. Um, and mm-hmm. some of that – it just seems like that is the challenge that he faces. That's the challenge that uh, the, t- the entire team faces. And you're not going to be able to scheme your way around having these bad defenders. I just don't think that's really Agreed. it. Like you're just gonna, they're gonna play, they're gonna play hard, and you're gonna do your best, or they're not. You yeah. know, you can right. hide one guy, you can't hide three. And especially yeah. in the playoffs, I think that's the thing that worries me is that in the playoffs, you really can't hide any guys. Like so, if I'm if I'm playing the Cavs, like 
I would just go to go to work on Kyrie. I wouldn't even like try to run my normal offense and revolve in one on one, like mm-hmm. or whoever. Like I would just be doing all sorts of one. Like I would break my my plan and I would just attack him. You know, and mm-hmm. you do that in the playoffs in a way that you don't do in the regular season. Like, I just think that there's no real way to scheme around whatever your problems are. Yeah. Um, it, it's just yeah. a matter of, you know, with when they played Golden State, they were able to kind of execute this sort of hacky, let's let's fight them off the ball and be physical yeah. strategy that I think Golden State played in their hands a little bit because they were running their normal stuff, you right. know. If I'm playing the Cavs, I'm I'm ditching a lot of that and just kind of attack them in a simple way. Yeah. And what is Tyler going to do about that? That's true. Yeah, I mean, I how, how do you account for them having that. Kevin Durant? Yeah, like they have Kevin Durant this year. Like <laughs> they have they like they have the guy who can just go get a bucket. And I agree with everything Mike said. Like I don't think if you're going to run out these LeBron bench units where it's like LeBron, Corver, Channing Frye, and Richard Jefferson, like you're not going to be good defensively. Like right. you're operating a bunch of minus defenders. Even if you can switch LeBron and RJ on threes and fours, like. They're going to go at Corver. They're going to go at Darren Williams. They're going to go at Kyrie. Like, there's a lot of weak points. Well, that's also why when you said, oh, it's a good thing that they're third in offense, like, I'm thinking, actually, no, it's not a great thing because if you're going to be bad defense, you better be really, really damn good at offense. You can't be just third. You have to be the best offense (laughs) to be able to overcome that. Like, you have to, you have to be able to, that's your bread and butter. I mean, if you look at how the East playoffs were last year, I mean, they were just scoring so much that it didn't matter how they defended. Yeah, you know, and that they're not at that level yet either. So there's still, even within this, there are offensive problems as well. Like you have to, that team really should be just as elite as what? Who are the top two? Houston, Houston and, Golden and Golden State. State. Yeah, I mean, like, there's mm-hmm. no reason that Cleveland shouldn't be right on their level. I mean, if look at not, their they're talent. They're not far behind. Just so we're on the same page. It's actually pretty close. Okay, but they should be better than them if they're going to overcome that defense. Sure, sure. You know, like uh, that's yeah. sort of that's the other way you overcome it. And the other thing too, if you're not playing good offense, you're not taking the ball out of the net as much. And their transition defense, which is a, a real measure of effort and intensity, is really and they bad. don't rebound well. Which is a change from how they have been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which I think is also significant. They're 25th in defensive rebounding rate, 20th in offensive rebounding rate for a total of just over 20th or right around the 20th. And they in the were NBA. top five last year, exactly. weren't they? Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah. Um, so what's going on? Is that just playing smaller lineups? I think that's some of it. I think not having love for a while um, hurt that. I think them playing I mean Fry's not a good rebounder and they've used him for like a lot of their backup center minutes this year and then a lot of RJ at the four so I think that's it um I I don't think it's I don't think they've gone as much to the 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 Tristan Love duo as much as they might have at different points last year and this will be situational like it depends on who they play uh and and how their team is health-wise when they play these certain teams in the east or if you know they make it to the finals again um real quick um right now it looks like they would either play I don't know like the Pacers, Heat, maybe the Bucks, something like that in the first round. Could play Atlanta still. Could could play uh, could play the Bulls still too. Obviously. Um, Well, then you know they're not winning that series. (laughs) Do any of these teams? Do any of these teams scare you in like a? They could take two, three games and maybe make the Cavs extend themselves more than they want because ultimately, like, and this is, I guess, the question: Is that a fear of yours that they're going to have to exert themselves more in the first few rounds this year? Uh, instead of having like the one or you know zero losses per series, which they get to uh, through the East most uh, more traditionally, I think Indiana or Milwaukee would be interesting just because they have these guys that are going to make LeBron work. That's kind of where my first round interest comes from. Like the Bucks have Giannis, like, yeah. and they have Chris Middleton, and they're they're playing really well. The 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 Pacers for all their problems have Paul George. Um, and Lance is on that team now, so I kind of like kind of yes. would, would wouldn't mind Lance like and LeBron again in the playoffs. Um, I don't think those teams necessarily could take like two or three, 
but I think you're going to have to work harder for that. And that but I kind of think that might be a good thing. Sure. You know, like if you're if you're being this lethargic in the regular season, maybe you need that yeah. jump start to like push you in a way before you get to what is definitely I think probably going to be a harder path this year. Like yeah. there's no like the the top of the East I agree this year with is that like by good. the way. Like it's yeah. it's good. Like yeah. it's not like last year. This year. It's yeah. not like they're going to get a bum Atlanta team. That's right. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? They're not going to get Atlanta. They're going to get you're going to get Washington, you're going to get Boston or Toronto yeah. and those are all good teams. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because Agreed. record wise it would not indicate that this is a better conference uh, but I really think that it is when you consider I mean Toronto won 56 last year but they had a negative you mean improved conference I just think the yeah I think yeah, the yeah. better the conference is a lot the possible opponents are a lot more formidable when you think mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. even if they have aren't going to win more games I mean nobody's going to win 56 this year like Toronto did but right. Toronto had a negative point differential in their starting lineup last year now Toronto has Serge Ibaka and PJ Tucker right you know and that that is a think they're a tougher team. I think the 48 win teams last year, like Miami was a real disjointed team. We talked about Atlanta being all over the place. Boston was missing key players and you know Charlotte was a very was an overachieving team. So was Detroit. And there's a reason those teams are underachieving now because uh, some of these other teams have gotten their shit together. Yeah. You know, like like Washington and Boston's obviously a lot better and I mean Milwaukee is the team I will they'll get up for Cleveland, that's for sure. And mm-hmm. then there's Miami. And Miami is not a no not a team to sniff at, especially if Deion Waiters can get healthy. No, you again. talk about attacking Kyrie Irving. Miami will do that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's the other concern I have is that even if they, it, it's just a harder yeah. conference. But I'll give you an analogy too. Like, there is a good por- a good point I should say, or a good part of uh, having a good understanding of your own mortality, and that's sort of like last year. Uh, it's college basketball, but Villanova lost in the uh, Big East conference tournament last year and that really helped them figure out the things that they maybe weren't looking at that were their flaws that they were able to correct and then win the tournament they didn't have that this year they actually got away uh, in the Big East tournament with a bunch of flawed games and then they were exposed early on in the NCAA tournament so there might be something to the learning component uh, of the last couple weeks or you know of having a tougher first or second round matchup like you're saying Chris but then what have they learned about each other themselves well, at this I mean, point look, that's I, what I'm kind of sure, sure like what I mean Chris what do you think what have they learned about themselves like is Correctable. That's the thing. Other than let's try harder, I, I'm just not sure. Like what what is. is correctable is the question. Yeah. yeah. Like, what is it that they've learned about themselves? So the Cavs say that the two things that are their problem. This is per a story that Jason Lloyd from the Athletic posted that it's transition points and second chance points, and that's something Lou has talked about before. Like he's talked about those are the two things that are the most problematic for them. I think that's somewhat effort based. You know, like it's just mm-hmm. how hard are you hustling back? Um, are you communicating well? I. I kind of wonder how much they have learned about themselves, like as a team, because it's just like they haven't had a lot of time together. Like a lot of these guys have been in and out of the lineup. Like Corver, I think it's now Corver, Smith, and Shumpert who are going to get all the minutes at the two guard spot. Have played two games together. It's either two or three games together. Wow. That's that's not great. Yeah. Um, LeBron, LeBron's like barely played. I mean, he's played with these guys, but Kyrie hasn't, you know, played with consistent lineups. Um, the they're kind of trying to do this Larry Sanders thing at the same time as as getting guys good and is like getting ready for the playoffs. And that's a problem. I, th- I think that the thing that I kind of come back to is that they do, I think have a belief in themselves as a group. Like when you're in the locker room after games, like it can be like, you can tell that they're frustrated, but you can't always tell that they're like, stressed out or freaking out. You can tell that they're annoyed by these games. And like LeBron after the Bulls game, just like laughing, you, he's, you know, he's annoyed with it, but I don't think it's quite as, dramatic as it was a couple of years ago. I mean, even when Lou first getting asked about the defense after the Wizards game, actually, he tried, like he like chuckled when he kind of said, we, we're, we have to get better. Like he didn't seem 
super annoyed by it and he could be putting on a face. He could be doing some of that, but it's really hard, I think, to be 10 minutes removed from a game and just totally fake your way through that. I do think there is just like a, a base level of confidence that they have in themselves. Maybe, maybe that's also sort of like a bad thing because if you're not worried about it, are you going to be spurred to actually improve? Like, are you going to just kind of assume that everything's going to be all right when it might not be? Yeah, that's complacency 101. That's, yeah. Well, know, they're two that's compete- how empires crash. Yeah, they're two competing things that I think about when I'm trying to figure out if this is a real problem. One is, is that they're not just losing, they're getting their ass kicked. And point their point differential is the worst that it's ever been in a LeBron second half. You know, they're getting outscored by about three points per hundred. And you know, in this stretch, and they've had some just awful performances when you yeah. think mm-hmm. about the Spurs, the Nuggets, uh, all of that. So that's usually a really bad indicator. It's not like there are some games where it's not competitive. Yeah. On the other hand, 16 games in March, 11 on the road. March is – I guess we'll see if this holds up as we look at the playoffs, but I, I almost feel like March is the most insignificant month to analyze the league because mm-hmm. you have teams that are either on long home stands or long road trips. Yeah. It's sort of the part of the schedule where you just pack a lot in. And, again, we talked about this with Golden State. I mean, they looked really bad when they had to travel all over the place. Mm-hmm. Now they come back at home. They've had a more regular schedule. And then they're going to Texas, and they suddenly look a lot better. I mean, did things really change, or did they just get more rest? And so that – and you talked about, like, the injuries and stuff. Like, I think it's a really big deal that two of their five starters look terrible right now because they're coming off injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a huge mm-hmm. problem for them. You know, there is there time for them to work their way back in? I mean, they have, what, seven games left at this point? Um, yeah, I mean, the I other key, so. too, with the schedules, they backload so many big games that you end up playing a lot of tough opponents – if you're a good team, while tired. So those, to me, are the two competing factors here. Because uh, as far as, like, do they learn something about themselves? Like, I, I really don't think there's much to learn. They kind of know what yeah. they are. It's just a matter of, like, is is this, is this there enough time for everything to kind of just bounce back their way? Um, you know, because I think they have been dealt a, a rough hand this month. Yeah, and they, and they have an interesting – I mean, their last game of the year is against Toronto, right? <laughs> so yeah, like, well, they've alone. beaten already three times. Yep, yep, that's right. They're 3-0 versus Toronto, one left against them on uh, April 12th. Um, but they still have Indiana, Orlando, Boston, Atlanta twice, Miami, Toronto. So to your point, that's it's plenty of games in April. That's, uh, that's seven in what uh, – you know, like 10 12, days, like 12 days. days yeah. yeah. So that's, but a lot more of them are at home, right? I mean, they, yeah. the yeah. issue is sort of the, the, the man miles they've traveled, the, the bizarre, you know, Orlando to Houston and then the like one game home and then back at the Char- LA to yeah. Charlotte trip. Yeah. They have eight left and, and five are um, at home. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's not so bad. So that brings me to, and let's wrap this up, but we just did all the doom and gloom. We just did why we shouldn't be worried. So Chris, tell me where this season ends. For the Cavs. I'm also curious, like, how are the fans uh, – is, fan, is, is there hysteria in the <laughs> fan base? I mean, are people where, are, are people more like Ben or more like me? Okay, give us, give us the fans? two answers there then. Tell us it's, the pulse like, of the fan base first. Yeah. Oh, it, the, for, the fan base, I think, is, like, super bipolar. Um, <laughs> like, you have, like, people that are, like, freaking out in game on Twitter and, like, really worried. I'll get, like, mailbag questions for the Lockdown Cavs podcast and people will be like, can, like, can we get David Blatt back? And I'm just like, guys. Oh, like, no. <laughs> like – like we don't need to go back to the point where like it was very clear like twelve games in that Tyron Lue like had LeBron's ear like yeah, that's one yeah. one thing I I feel like it's worth noting, and I just read the the Wendy McMenamin book so like I'm very colored by this but like Tyron Lue I feel like actually can like push the right buttons with this team, in a way that David Blatt was like never going to <laughs> like LeBron was like going to like Lue with the timeouts and all these stuff but 
the, you have like part of the fan base that I think is worried that I think is like accepting like a second round playoff loss, yeah. which to me seems very extreme. You have the other side that I think they're just like, well, as long as they get things in order, they're gonna you know get to the finals and maybe have a chance to win and and win again, and that's kind of what they were expecting in the first place. Yeah, I, I think the latter is more likely. I think. I think it's possible that they lose in the Eastern Conference playoffs more likely than I think it's been the last two years. I don't really expect it to happen, though. I think they will figure enough out to get through. But if you just ask me how they've played and how much they can realistically improve on defense and then deal with Golden State at Golden State's full strength, which, like, assuming they get there, yeah. like, that just seems, like, really hard for me that they're going to be able to handle that, especially yeah. if Golden State does decide just to say, okay, Kevin Durant, like, you go score. Yeah. Like, you, you go do that. You know, like, it was 3-1 last year until just a lot of crazy things happen, you know? Like, yeah. like it would, I mean, they might, Golden State might win that game in Game 5 if Draymond just doesn't, yeah. like, a problem. Right. But, like, like, like these are things, yeah. yeah, like, just has limb control, you know? Um, right, and, and, like, and like how different series. are the Cavs playing now, and how different yeah. are we thinking about them now True. if that doesn't happen? Yeah. It's such exactly. a butterfly I mean, effect. Great point. Yeah, I mean, like, Kevin Love might not be in the team if they lose that series, you know? Like, That's there could have been, like, some more drastic changes if, if that happened. So I, I think... I think they get there, but it wouldn't shock me if it's like at, least, at the very least I'm expecting harder a harder series in the semifinals than the conference finals. I think what the Cavs really need is another former backup point guard to be one of the top assistant coaches to light a fire. <laughs> I don't know, what's, oh, Eric, what's Eric Snow doing these days? So you're saying <laughs> that they just replace the coach all the time? Yes, yes. Just always have a backup point guard who's recently retired in is, the wings to help motivate mm, LeBron. Is Dante Jones still with the team? <laughs> Or not Dante Jones, sorry, Damon Jones. Damon Jones. Yeah, Damon Jones and James Posey are assistant coaches on oh, the Cavs. Oh, so perfect. We're already good then. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah. there we are. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Actually, it's yeah. funny you mentioned that. I'm a, I'm a big James Posey fan. I always found him to be one of the most underrated players of uh, the last He would be perfect in this years. era. If he was if He'd he was perfect. if he was around like seven years or six five years later than he was. We'll do a whole podcast awesome. on this, by the way. At some point we're gonna do uh, the missed eras of players because there are yeah. certain guys right now. Posey's a great example. Yeah. 3 and D to Wazoo, right? Um, yeah. He'd be right, so, so good in this era. Chris, you gave us your um, slight prediction there. Do you, do you see this ending realistically if you're putting your money on the table in a loss to the Warriors in the finals? Yeah, that to me is the most likely outcome. Yeah. Mike? Well, this, this all reminds me of, and I say reminds in a weird way because I wasn't even alive or was barely <laughs> alive for this, but doesn't this feel a little bit like you know, the, the last vestiges of the Bird era um, in, like, 87, 88. They had that one year where they you have all these top contenders. One year they slipped by on all these. One year was the Isaiah Thomas steal. Mm-hmm. And, and then the next year they just kind of ran out of gas by the conference finals. I think a very similar sort of, like, been there, done that team, banged up, of sort of running on fumes, a lot of veterans. Uh, I'm not sure whether this turns out like 87 or 88, um, hmm. but I really do think that they are in trouble um, of something. And... Mm-hmm. The question is like again like will the, when the schedule flips and it gets more favorable like does some of this stuff go away like I just some of the stuff that's happening in March this year it's gonna be really interesting to see league wide how much all this matters like does it really matter that Portland is playing well or are they still gonna get drilled in the first round does it matter that um, you know the Cavs are playing poorly does it matter the Wizards defense really has fallen off a cliff does it matter mm-hmm. if you know Toronto has been uh, starting to win with its defense and. Boston playing better and like does any of this stuff really matter in this month yeah I mean ultimately this is going to be a nice case study for when the league has to look at how we fix the scheduling absolutely you know so this is good to have a sample 
Yeah. Um, and, and we'll see how it plays it's out. It's like, why have, these, why have these crazy games in March? And it works both ways, too. We should mention that, like, plenty of the tanking teams in the NBA have to play each other a bunch right now. Like, oh, good yeah. teams are playing each other, bad teams are playing. Sixers have two Brooklyn games, an Orlando game, but they end the year with the Knicks, and that Sixers-Knicks game is going to be really important. So, like, oh, yeah, that's there's right. Good, <laughs> there are good teams duking it out right now that hate the schedule, and there are bad teams duking it out right now that hate the schedule. So it seems like there's a common denominator here. But I... I Oh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I wonder too. Like next year with the seventeen-man rosters, like how much some of this the problems yeah. seems like the Cavs are facing are avoidable. Like, can if you get two guys that you have on two-way contracts that you can just have eat minutes for forty-five games, totally. or whatever, like that Yum. cap is. Like, I wonder how much that helps. Yeah, <laughs> like Yum. I wonder how much like if Eric. Like if Eric Moreland's playing twenty minutes a game for Tristan Thompson, even if you're losing, like how much has that helped you? Yeah, and yeah like, but but people didn't pay to see young. Eric Moreland play. Uh, <laughs> didn't pay a ticket to see Eric Moreland play, but he can eat those tasty, tasty minutes. What do you think minutes? Those minutes taste like? <laughs> what the Eric Bro, Moreland probably. minutes? Yeah, like what do you think those like eat, the eating the minutes? Like taste if you have an Oreo, but you take the cream out and it's just like two crackers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. You're not, you're not paying for the cracker on the outside, the cookie on the outside. You want the, the Oreo cookie as a whole. Yeah, I know. Well, I gotcha. yeah, that's true. Like, if you had to choose a part of the cookie that you yeah. prefer, would you choose the cream or the, or the or cookie? Or maybe he's just like Hydrox. I don't know. That's a reference for people who <laughs> may or may not get this. <laughs> My grandma liked that joke. Um, <laughs> just kidding. But uh, all right. So um, – I guess that's really all we have here. Uh, Chris, tell me what we can look for on Locked On Cavs and Fear the Sword moving forward. Obviously, that's going to be the place to go for your Cavs coverage. So I'm finally getting around to doing a defensive piece because I feel like it's just we haven't done one, and I think we have to do one. Um, <laughs> I think it's ob- obligatory for writing about the Cavs right now. Yeah. Um, Locked On Cavs, you got uh, stuff on the book, hopefully, that McGinnon Windy book coming out soon, which should be cool. cool. Um, and just kind of more breakdown. I'm kind of trying to find people that are panicking because I kind of <laughs> am like not panicking, and I kind of enjoy uh, seeing how people are kind of reacting in the complete opposite direction. Nice. Sit back, fold your arms, put your feet up, and uh, listen to people freak out. Yeah, I, I can't, and, until they just have a game against like the Wizards where they give up, they lose by twenty, and John Wall drops like forty five or something like that. Then, then we can like kind of so, get in very close up. to what actually happened. Yeah. So yeah, so you know, the Eastern <laughs> Conference semi, the Eastern Conference Finals yeah. uh, when it just all, when it all goes terrible, so or like saying, when they lose to the Celtics by thirty next weekend, <laughs> okay, people so, just like are writing the trade Kevin Love for Wiggins Collins again. <laughs> so you're saying that there's a big difference between John Wall dropping thirty seven and then losing by twelve to forty and twenty. And I believe that's what happened. <laughs> I think, like, in the at least, like, for your average Cavs fan in my commenter, if you like went back and looked at the comments, people were just like, okay, well, this wouldn't happen in the playoffs. So, like, when it does happen in the playoffs, right. that's when I think you'll get like the full, the full on, the full on freak out. Nice. Well, mm. we will have you back on when the Cavs win the NBA Finals again in 2017. As that's my prediction, guys. <laughs> Actually, I, my total full prediction here is to not freak out. Everyone, things are going to be fine, and they're going to find themselves playing probably a really tight awesome series with the entire world watching against Golden State again. So how are you looking at this again? Uh, I look at things from a broad <laughs> No, no, no. What, what's the word? I take a nice wide lens. What's I try the word? to get the entire... It's holistic. Mike. Holistically, the word is holistic. there it is. We got, <laughs> we got the Jeopardy board. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you're playing uh, drinking limited upside bingo, holistic, holistic, <laughs> which you said. Um, <laughs> but cool. Uh, Chris, man, we always appreciate you coming on, man, and thanks for uh, boosting Mike's ego with those Wizards comments, too. That's always yes, thank you very much. Uh, not a prerequisite for our guests, but maybe <laughs> it should be. Yeah, but 
but always nice to hear. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we'll have you uh, on again soon, man. Thanks as always. Everyone go check out Fear the Sword. Listen to Locked On Cavs. You guys will love what, uh, what Chris and uh, Dave Zavak, who's been on here before, are doing with Fear the Sword. Um, so I guess that's all we have for today. Mike, anything else? No, that's about it. Cool. Very nice. Everyone go check out the Prada's uh, picture stuff, too. He did a really good Jokic piece. I know he's a humble guy, but it's awesome. There's so another one coming out. out soon. Cool, cool. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And, and uh, it's from a, I think it's from a fan base that I recently pissed off. So um, <laughs> so that could be any yeah, of the maybe, uh, 28 teams Mike has pissed yeah, off. Yeah, so recently. I won't say which one, but um, that fan base hopefully uh, will enjoy after I disrespected them <laughs> in their minds recently. <laughs> Perfect. Look out for that. Uh, that olive branch from Mike uh, coming in the form of some Prada's pictures. But until next time, everybody, this is the Limited Upside Podcast. 